Bulavanaka, Malolele, I'm Koro Vakauta. Welcome to Champions of the Pacific, where we bring you the stories behind the feats of our Pacifica athletes. Ali, I'm Tale Anderson, and this week we talk to a rugby league pioneer and the battles he overcame to become a top player, and efforts to encourage more Pacifica into the sport of cricket. And who knew there's a Jonah Lomu of the Patong world? Rugby league trailblazer Olsen Flepeiner was one of the first Māori Pacific stars of the professional Australian competition in 1980. He played 29 tests for New Zealand and more than 100 first grade games. Over the last 40 years we've seen a Pacific revolution in rugby league. But it wasn't always like that. Olsen Flepeiner left his home and everything he knew to play for Sydney's Balmain Tigers. Olsen tells me how it was the three women in his life who helped guide him through dealing with racism, cultural dislocation and depression. Yeah, you know, we we're a very close-knit family, Polynesians, you know, and uh, it's just a matter of, you know, my parents said go, you know, respecting them and their decision and just going with it. And, and that's what I did because, you know, because the way I was brought up is to listen to the elders, regardless of what decision it is, turns out to be good for you in the long run, you know, which it... To me, it has. Uh, looking back at what I've, I've gone through and what's happened now with the Pacific Islander players and Melanesian players that are playing in the competition now. You were homesick in Sydney. You were known for leaving the dressing room straight away to avoid, you know, the media. You were copying racial abuse from fans and opposition players. How did you get through it? Like I said, I made a promise to my mother I wouldn't embarrass the name and Polynesians and getting into fights, you know, because our, our reaction is, you know, hit first and ask questions later, but it's too late. You know, you've already tarnished your cultural and your parents because of what you've done, and your teammates also suffer the same thing. So what I did was is I, I took people's numbers during the game that whoever called me a, a racist name or gave me a poke in the eye or do whatever they wanted to do me, I took their number down and I got them in a hard tackle. And I said to them, if you want to do that again, I'm going to even hit you harder. You know, that's how I, I got back at them. And... Uh, I think it was 1981 and 82, I got voted the hardest tackler and the hardest guy to tackle. And that was mainly because of, you know, what players were trying to, uh, were doing to me just to get me off my game and, and everything else. I know as well there are some really important relationships that helped you um, over that hard time. Um, you had, obviously, your mum. I heard you, you racked up like an $800 bill at one point. Is that true? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, who paid for that one? Paid for that. <laughs> Make sure I paid for it. I was working too, so it bothered, it didn't bother me. It was worth worth the money, ringing home and talking to someone. You also had, was it Margaret, your kind of, I would say, an adoptive Australian mum who was there for you? Mother, yep. Yeah. They did have a lot for me, hell of a lot. You know, you would have been the best people ever I could ever ask to have uh, lived with when I first got there. And, uh, and they treated me exactly like their own son because they got two adopted uh, children as well. And so it was nothing new, didn't have another one. Yeah, and then, of course, you got Leslie as well, your wife Leslie. Yeah, that's right, you know, and, and, and a lot of the stuff she went through, she had to hold back as well uh, on during games and even after, you know, from your own teammates, you know, she hears them say things like, oh, what the hell is he doing on this side, you know, blah, blah, and all this. So, you know, it's, yes, yeah, she went through a hell of a lot, but did the same as me, just held it in. If we had did what we wanted to do, well, you know, I probably would have been back there. But I wouldn't even lasted a half a season. How important were those relationships for you during your footy career? Very important. You know, we wouldn't be talking now. Right? People would be saying, who is Olsen Filipina? 
just looking back on your career and everything that you've been through, what are kind of, you know, the happier times or a happier moment for you that you remember? I think the times I've always played for New Zealand, you know, when amount of times it uh, kept me together playing for New Zealand. Every time I went through these bad situations, racial stuff and all that during the uh, over here, going back to play for New Zealand, you know, made me, uh, held me together, put me back together again, more or less. It made me stronger to go back and, and do more uh, for our players over here and for New Zealand Rugby League, which I hope I have done. And what's next for you? Can we expect uh, maybe a movie next? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you get, you're getting some great reviews from the book, I mean. No, I, I, I don't talk about those things. I'm just glad my story's out there and people are enjoying the book. And, um, yeah, no, I wouldn't go as... I don't think I'll be going as that far, that far as a movie, I don't think. Has it made you or given you kind of like a sense of relief a little bit or made you accept the things that have happened in your life? Yeah, exactly, Tyler, yeah, you know, and actually get it off off my mind and off my shoulders. I don't have to carry it around with me wherever I go. Everyone, everyone knows the story now, you know, uh, exactly what I had to go through. It, like I said, the hardest point was is not being able to talk to any family or whanau because I don't want them worrying about me. That was Kiwi's legend Olsen Fulbaina. Wow. T, what was it like talking to such a rugby league icon? Uh, honestly, it was just really humbling. Um, and I, I just felt like I was talking to my uncle. <laughs> but... um. Yeah, to go through so much and all that he's been through and just to still be here today is um, what he said, a credit to, to the woman in his life. Awesome and so candid as well. Well, unlike rugby union and rugby league, traditional cricket struggled to capture the interest of New Zealand's Pacifica communities. I mean, Murphy sort of paved the way in the early 90s while Lutero Ross Poltua Lotte Taylor remains an integral part of the current black cap side. But in clubs and schools around South Auckland, a quiet revolution is gathering pace Samoa and Auckland representatives Regina Lili'i and Sean Sawlia came into the Auckland studios and I asked Regina when she first picked up a bat. I played in the backyard with my brother. I come from a, quite a sporty family, so we're always playing in the backyard. Um, but I probably didn't start playing cricket at school until 14 years old. Why is that? Um, it wasn't really popular back then and there weren't many girls that played so I either had to play um, against the boys at Intermediate and then our maths teacher at Marston College actually started up a school cricket team. My Well, my dad's Samoan um, and my mum's Palangi but my my dad came over when he was 17 so growing up he used to play Kilikiti and rugby and that back in Samoa but when he came to New Zealand um, he got introduced to... Palangi cricket and he loved it um, so as soon as he had a young son he was like okay you know, no, you're going to start playing too so he, he was throwing balls at, um, to me when I was you know two like can't even remember so I was introduced to it pretty quickly and then playing for club from five. Were there many other Pacifica players in your teams is it something that you noticed or, or maybe you just played the game and didn't realise that until later? The first club I joined was um, Grafton Cricket Club um, through my cousin, who is also Samoan. So that, that was the first club I joined, and because he was the only person I knew that like, was at a club already, he was a little bit older than I was. But that club being in, in central Auckland, for me growing up, I, yeah, I didn't notice or pay much attention to there being other Pacifica kids or players around. So, um, And then I moved to my club now um, out in West Auckland, suburbs New Lynn, and... Um, there was a little bit more like Indian, um, Asian 
players around there, but not too much Pacifica um, at all, to be honest. Um, for me, because um, I started playing at school, I didn't really start in the club space. Um, there was only myself, my sister and my cousin that played cricket at school. And then that same teacher took us to a, an Auckland under-17 trial. And at that trial, there was only maybe a handful of um, Pacifica girls there. Yeah, there's always just been that minority, I think, of um, Pacific Island girls playing cricket, unfortunately. Ross Taylor said a few years ago um, that, that he grew up knowing it was not really the norm for island kids to play cricket. Was was that a, your, your experience? Does it surprise you that there aren't more? For me, um, I'm half Samoan, half um, Pakeha, so like there is that. Pakia side to me that you know it's, it is normal for me to be playing cricket, cricket. Mm. But um, you know it, it's not really about being normal or whatever. It's you know for me it was I just played it because I was introduced to it um, from a young age and I really enjoyed it and loved it. Um, and as you grow up and you um, you know start to learn more about society and that and you see um, that there's um, that we are a minority uh, in the sport, it gives you a bit of an extra push to be like oh you know I want to be like represent us um, and, you know, hopefully grow the game within that as well. That, that kind of blows my mind, actually, because I went to a Church of Origin Kalikita Comp not long ago, mm-hmm. and it's massive. Like, you've got 12 churches there. The field fields were packed. You've got all their families there, but we're not necessarily seeing that, you know, in, mm. in the generic or in the Palangi cricket scene. At, at the moment, I work out of Papatoitoi Cricket Club, and um, our club manager, Gary, is doing a lot of work with um, a young youth group church out there, and so they've started training at our club and using the facilities and are slowly sort of introducing them to the game and sort of the pathways. If they play, they can play both kiligiki and they can play traditional cricket, but with traditional cricket you have the pathway of playing for Auckland, playing for Samoa, playing for New Zealand. They get introduced through church and their big Christian communities and um, it's just sort of getting them to buy into the fact that you can play traditional cricket on Saturday and still go to church on Sunday. Sometimes you might have to sacrifice a Sunday to play kiligiti's quicker I, I think in the in the game they play 50 balls and I think maybe now T20 the introduction of T20 cricket is probably going to help um, it be more attractive hopefully um, but I think um, with the Kirikiti Pacifica people they're so naturally talented um, generally speaking and so there's so many other sport that they play through summer some I know girls that play volleyball and so they're tossing it between volleyball and cricket. Volleyball takes, I don't know how long, but it doesn't take six hours. <laughs> um, and Or they're playing touch rugby, tag, you know, sevens. And so there's just a lot of other uh, short dynamic sport to compete with. Um, so, yeah, it's just about trying to make the game a bit more attractive to the Pacifica people so that they come play and try it out. That was sports producer Vinnie Wiley and I talking to Regina Lili'i and Sean Sawlia. Regina works for the Papatoitoi Cricket Club, which has been going into local schools in South Auckland, while Kilikiti teams from local churches have also been invited to take part. He's won 32 national titles, more than 20 regional titles, and has been to the World Champs five times. He'd be a household name with that kind of resume in most sports, but I'm not sure how many people would have heard of Giorgio Vakauta, even if he does have an amazing surname. Shout out to my cuz. He's a dominant force in his sport and has played all over the world, but is based in Tamaki Makoto. 
Giorgio Vakauta is literally the Jonah Lomu of Patonk. Started playing Patonk since I was six, with you know, with the family, my dad, my mom, my brothers. Basically, the whole family, twelve of us, we all play, and you should see all of us to getting together, trying to battle. Let's go. How much are we playing for? <laughs> oh, you know, you know, brothers. Oh yeah, you wanna play them? Let's go. Let's go. Never mind the talk. Let's go. Let's show. Show me what you got. Stuff like that, you know. This is the actual newspaper of the uh, World Championship. So they call me the little Lomu, Giorgio Vakota. The small Lomu is enjoying his second World Championship and proud to wear the silver fern in his chest and total respect, man. Are there many other islanders that were competing there? Yeah, I've got uh, Taijians, French Taijians that are mixed blood, you know, like, but some of them live here as well, just like me. The other two are father and son. The Samoan. Imagine that two Samoans and a Vanuatu and going to represent New Zealand at the World Champ. It's amazing. <laughs> Rugby is up here and Petong is probably about here. You know, all the other major sports before us. We've tried to get into the mini games. Uh, no success there. What is that? I don't know. Maybe it's French. Uh, we're trying to get inside the Olympics. You know, out of all uh, the sports, it came down to two sports. Breakdancing and Petong. And guess what? what the committee chose breakdancing. We were like, like literally like this close to get into the Olympics. This is one of the things that I would really like to achieve is playing for New Zealand and representing New Zealand at the Olympics. In, in, the, in the Pacific Island itself, you're looking at Australia plays, ourselves, Vanuatu, Tahiti, New Caledonia, Wallis and Futuna. The only, the only other country that is, does not play is Fiji, Samoa and Tonga. Did you start this club yourself? Me and a couple of mates. We created this club here since 95. 95 we've been here. I came into New Zealand in 94. And then ever since I stayed in New Zealand. Loved it. And it's unique because you will never find another Petong ground as unique as this one. I mean, you look at around you, it's all green. We got no building, no... Shelter. We just use the, the shadow of the, the trees to uh, for shelters. Does it kind of remind you a little bit of home? Yep, definitely does. Definitely does. You know, going back in the island is like to be in the nature. Just natural. Have you seen the Patonk community grow since you've been here? When I came here, it was about eight clubs. Now we've uh, we grown up to 12. Uh, Membership-wise, we just need to bring you know, a little bit new uh, younger players, just trying to introduce the game to them and, you know, for the future. Have you found that um, not many Pacific Islanders know about this sport or you want to, you know, spread the word that this sport is here and yeah. get them involved? Definitely. Trying to spread the, the sport in the Pacific Island would be great. Be, if I can do it as an islander, I'm pretty sure everyone can. Petok is very simple. You don't get hurt, you don't get tackled, you don't get smashed on the ground. Or it's just stand and throw the ball. That's it. That was Patonk legend Giorgio Vakauta. Obviously some top sporting genes there, eh, Koro? Uh, hey, for real, just one of the many talented Vakautas. A man who has had some extreme highs in his sport, but last month his father, Siosi, passed away in Vanuatu. A sad time for Giorgio, who, as we've heard, treasures his family. Yeah, our thoughts go out to Giorgio and the rest of the family. A whakatawange ke homai e molino mo e whakanonga, a o tua mafi mafi ki a tikoe mo e family, e whakamasiva ko o hoko o falahi atu.
Love to all our listeners out there. If you want to hear more from Champions of the Pacific, you can find us online at rnz.co.nz and click on the Pacific tab, or we broadcast into the region on RNZ Pacific and RNZ National, or you can download us from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favourite podcasts. And join us next week when we hear from a PNG Rugby League legend and join in the colour and fun, which is the Auckland Kilikiti scene. Until then, kakite. Modemanda. Modemanda.